I will enter into judgment on behalf of my people. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 516. It is July 10, 2016. Today we're talking about the Aquariums of Pyongyang. Now that was a book written several years back and I'm reissuing something that I've already put on the podcast, uh, not the podcast when it was before it was a podcast. I did these in several different increments. I'm going to just put it all together, the whole series about the aquariums of Pyongyang today. And I trust you'll be blessed by this book. It was 30 or so years ago. A 10-year-old boy entered a North Korean labor camp with his family. Let's call it more like 40 years ago now. He lived to tell about it. It was the first story of its kind. It was the aquariums of Pyongyang, and the young boy was Kang Chohuan. The family was among the many that had, a generation earlier, relocated in Japan and become strong supporters there of socialism, communism, and North Korea. With the rise of Kim Il-sung, the family was enticed to come back to the fatherland and complete the reforms so badly needed there. This very rich but very dedicated family moved back to a near hero's welcome. But growing suspicions about their wealth and their connection to the traditional foe of Korea slowly led the family from fame to ghastly impoverishment. The entire family was arrested and a new life begun in one of Kim's infamous re-education centers. To get to a North Korean camp, one must be either a, a landholder, a capitalist, a U.S. or South Korean agent, a Christian, or members of purged party circles deemed noxious to the state. Division is made then between redeemable and unredeemable prisoners. Once classed unredeemable, life is over. Your only worth to the state is hard labor. You'll be taken to work at secret sites, since there's no hope of you taking those secrets anywhere but to the grave. You'll work until you drop dead. Redeemables like Kang have a chance. They're taught Kim propaganda. They are thoroughly redone in their thinking processes, and after a number of years, they're released to live their new life as a trusted member of society. Now, I present all these horrid but true stories on this site to encourage you to pray for North Koreans, that in their distress they'll call upon the name of the Lord, and that in calling they will unleash the power that the Kim dynasty cannot withstand. Oh, what a day of reckoning is coming to those who, coming to those who have abused humanity, and the children of the living God to boot. More about Kang Chol Huan next time. Yes, and here's the next one. Um, by the way, I'm reading this all from Hackberry House, Volume One: Two Years with North Korea, a book that I wrote, uh, put together. I, none of this is original stuff just uh, was keeping a record of things over a couple of years. 
Yes, all of North Korea is a prison. If by prison one means a place from which escape is unlikely and conditions are difficult. But there are prisons within the prison, such as the Yodak camp in the northeastern section of the country. We continue our trek here through the aquariums of Pyongyang with a look at the escape possibilities. When 10-year-old Kang Chohuan arrived at the camp, he was educated quickly about what to expect by another kid. This is on page 56 and 57 of the book, and I'm quoting, the, the kid then returned to the subject of escape which was clearly dear to his heart. Only once had he heard the sirens go off and seen the security agents form into search parties and head up into the mountains. It took a while, but they eventually came down with their prey. The escaping prisoner had been stopped mid-course, well short of the summits he had hoped might spell freedom. He was tortured for a week or two and then executed. The punishment for attempted escape is execution, no exceptions. The guards make the whole village come out to watch it. Yeah, you you got to be really crazy to try to escape. On the other hand, sometimes you got to be even crazier to stay, especially if you're all alone without family or friends. The work is hard, and there's hardly ever enough food to take the edge off your hunger. You'll have to stick together, help each other out, and remember, don't trust anyone. And then from the brigade leader, that was end of quote, from the brigade leader in charge of orientation, this quote, you people don't deserve to live, but the party and our great leader have given you a chance to redeem yourselves. Don't squander it. Don't disappoint him. End of quote. Well, what were you doing as a 10-year-old child? Could the worst of our childhood memories compare to any of this, pray for North Korea. The next one, some more facts gleaned from the aquariums of Pyongyang, written in 2000 by Kang Chohuan. It's called Going to School in a Forced Labor Camp. Why go to school at all? Because the North Korean government believes you are worth saving if only you can be reprogrammed. Here are some odds and ends about what it means to be a student in a concentration camp. First, teachers show total disregard for the well-being of their students. Second, they are addressed in the harshest, crudest manner. Hey, you idiot in the third row, for example. It was quite common for them to beat us. Teachers wear revolvers. They start with yelling, graduate to insults, and then to beatings. Asking questions of the teacher can earn you a slap across the face to the delight of your fellow students. Among school punishments is latrine duty. Tardy students can get a week of such. A boy who complained of such duty and insulted the instructor was beaten savagely until he fell into a septic tank. With much effort he got out and no one cared to help clean or heal him. A few days later, he died. Day begins before seven with cleanup of rooms by students. Seven to noon, studies. One hour rest. Minimal food. Rest of the day, manual labor. 
There's a quota system. Groups of five are not released until the quota is reached. Well, North Korea needs some more good news, don't you think? We have it. Yeah, we have it. How shall we get it to them? Next article, How Dare You Die Before We Kill You. I'm still trekking through uh, the aquariums of Pyongyang. What a ghastly journey our friend leads us through. He writes on page 99 and following, quote, Suicide was not uncommon in the camp. A number of our neighbors took that road out of Yodak. They usually left behind letters criticizing the regime, or at the very least, its security force. They were heedless acts, which virtually guaranteed that the letter writer's family would be sent to a place worse still than Yodak. Truth be told, some form of punishment would await the family, regardless of whether or not a critical note were left behind. It was a rule that admitted no exceptions. The party saw suicide as an attempt to escape its grasp. And if the individual who had tried the trick wasn't around to pay for it, well, someone else needed to be found. Some suicides tried to palliate the government or the punishment that their relatives faced by leaving notes in which they maintained their innocence but reiterated their faith in communism and in the regime of the much-beloved great leader. This sometimes induced the agents to treat the surviving family with relative leniency and merely add five extra years to the family's original sentence, whose length they, in any case, never knew. These are the workings of sickness, my friends. There's a word for people who are so insecure that they feel compelled to punish someone else for the supposed crime of another person. How far has this sickness spread through the country of North Korea? Christ, the healer of men's minds, is the only answer for North Koreans. Next article, still in the same book, How to Eat Salamanders. Now, occasionally I've cautioned you of weak heart not to read or listen. And today I have to excuse those who are of weak stomach. The following is a description of how some overcame starvation and its resultant health deterioration. Kang, in a concentration camp with his family, has been put on an outside detail. Normally, outdoor work would be stimulating, but this particular assignment has to do with burial of the many who die on a regular basis in this camp. The work did have one benefit, though it usually came too late to help the weakest among us, writes Kong. In the fields, it was sometimes possible for us to catch frogs, which were plentiful in this season. The amphibian could be skinned and cooked fresh or set out to dry in the sun and used later. Their eggs were also very much in demand. Besides the frogs, we also ate salamanders that we caught near a sweetwater spring. I never much liked the way they tasted, but they were said to be very nutritious. Eating three a day was supposed to keep you in great shape, like, like vitamin concentrates, though I have no idea whether this was science or faith. The way to eat a salamander is to grab it by the tail and swallow it in one quick gulp before it can discharge a, a foul, distasting liquid. I often uh, 
brought my grandmother salamanders so that she would stay healthy, but she never got the knack of swallowing them whole. We kids were the only ones who could do it easily. We ate anything that moved, making even the undiscriminating adults look picky by comparison. By the time a group of prisoners finished working a field, no animal was left alive. Even earthworms were fair game. When we were done with her, nature always needed a couple of seasons to recuperate before she could provide a fresh bounty of food. And yet our hunger remained piercing, draining. End of quote. Well, I don't have time or space to tell you here of the rats that became a, a likewise prized meal. Besides that, it's just too awful. Yes, Yodok still stands, as far as we know, maybe up to a couple hundred thousand prisoners still eating rats and worms, still burying countless dead, still preferring suicide to staying in this evil world any longer. Would you pray for Yodak? One more look at the aquariums of Pyongyang, and, and then I really need to get this book back to the library I wrote uh, a long time ago. It's called Confessions Now in a Communist Camp. <clears throat> I hope you can check out the book yourself, by the way, or look for it online. The Aquariums of Pyongyang. As one more example of how the North Korean government makes a mockery of by, by trying to duplicate the Christian faith, consider the bi-weekly criticism and self-criticism sessions. The sessions were nothing new to me, writes Kong. Such meetings took place in every North Korean school, but outside the camp, these ideological exercises tended to be peaceable and rather formal in nature. Nothing much happened if you didn't criticize well enough or happened to criticize too sharply. At Yodok, the stakes were much higher. Punishments consisted of hours of nighttime wood chopping, even for 10- and 13-year-old children. At the far end of the room was a platform with a table where the prisoner sat to present his self-criticism. Next to the table stood two guards, along with a representative of the prisoners. There were no other chairs in the room. The other prisoners sat on the floor in groups of five, clustered with their fellow team members. The assembly hall was always overcrowded. Some prisoners dozed off. Others became nauseous from the intensity of the body odor that hung in the air. And there was no soap at Yodok. The prelude to the ceremony varied somewhat, but the main action was always the same. The wrongdoer would step onto the platform, his head bowed, and launch into his self-criticism with a foolproof formula such as, Our great leader commanded us followed by one of Kim's great thoughts. Then, says the author, the speaker would tell how he had broken faith with that thought. In our confessions, we would call that sin. The parallel is so real as to be scary. Then he would pledge some penance, as we might say, some proof of reform or change. I'll wake up a, a half hour earlier and I'll, I'll make myself equal to the task of fulfilling Kim's orders. I will renew myself, etc., etc. If the prisoner succeeded in criticizing himself well enough, he'd then be allowed to criticize others. If not, members of the audience could criticize him further. And 
if the accused tried to defend himself, a third prisoner, and if necessary, a fourth, was selected to take up the assault. It was hard to take the session seriously, despite the perfect silence imposed by the hard gaze of the guards. We were like bored kids in a class that they find meaningless. The smallest distraction would would set us off. He then relates how some members of the group might suddenly pass gas. The guards would become outraged, asking for the guilty party to identify himself. And when he did, he'd be pushed toward the self-criticism table to expiate his gas passing with a mea culpa, at the end of which he usually received a week's worth of supplementary work detail. End of quote. Well, enough. If you want to know about public executions, post-mortem stonings, forced abortions, and how the author finally escapes to China and then South Korea, you'll have to read the book on your own. Meanwhile, know again that Yodok and many other camps still exist, still torture and kill many people, including your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So do pray. God bless you today. I want you to check out these uh, other podcasts or recordings on North Korea throughout my site. The North Korea Audio Weblog is the series name for the most part. And then you can click on photos and then click on the couple of albums that you see there at the beginning. All about North Korea. I've been trying to keep you updated from the days when I was involved personally with um, Korean refugees until now. And... Uh, You'll see that some of the same stuff's going on over there. Oh, we have to pray, don't we? God bless us. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for those who are listening and are caring and are praying. And I pray that you will hear our prayers and show us individually what else there is that you want us to be doing. May we be faithful in this awful time. Jesus, help your people. Keep us from complaining. Jesus' name. Amen. We started with Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I, this is God speaking, I will enter into judgment on behalf of my people. Yes, he will. One day he really will. Bye-bye.